Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, Finding My Place, Putting the Pieces Together, presented by Pastor Jerry Evans on November 6th, 2016. It is well with my soul this morning. I uh, told somebody this morning, I have to go in the hospital a couple of times a year to keep the hospital in business. But thank you for your prayers. I was in a couple of days, one day to recuperate and right back to work. <clears throat> and I'm so thankful to God for that. In about uh, 20 minutes, Florida will be preaching in the church where I'm pastor now. We decided to swap pulpits, so to speak. I guess this is a pulpit. It's what I used at the other church, too. And uh, Becky teaches a class, so she couldn't be here this morning. So she's going to have the privilege of introducing Floyd and Janice this morning. And uh, Floyd asked me to preach today to bring a message on putting the pieces together through communications. And communications is the most difficult thing for us to do, whether it's in a home, whether it's in a church, in a business, in a family. Communications is always something we have to work on. You know, I've been married for 55 years, and if you remember, I got married when I was about four years old. (laughs) But I still have to work on that. But it's something we all have to work on constantly if we're to have the kind of relationships that God intends for us to have. On your outline there, and I want you to kind of follow it, and I hope you'll take that outline home and that you'll study the Scriptures that I have listed there. There's enough Scripture in there that you can take a week to do that, maybe every day in your quiet time. But the first point on there is communication is the lifeline to great relationships. Where there's good communication, there'll be good relationships. I believe with all my heart that churches have problems because of lack of communication. And I'm so glad to see what Floyd has done here and the other, uh, the four pastors in communicating. I understand you had a good attendance at your last family meeting. Uh, I think you had 30-something people. That's good, 30-something people there. Uh, I was able to attend a the staff fellowship with uh, the others this past Friday night, and I met with the, your your staff, your pastor yesterday uh, for yearly, yearly planning. So I haven't lost touch. I want to stay in communications with you. Whenever we're finished out at the where I'm pastor now, I'm what's called a transitional pastor, taking them through a change and trying to help them learn to communicate. And it's helping me learn to communicate at the same time. The little church was down to about 50 people, and we're up to about 70 now. God's brought people back and brought some new families in, some young families in with children, and God's doing a work there. But communications is important for me there and it's important for you here. And I urge you to communicate with your, with your pastors and communicate with each other. In your small groups, in your real links, that's a good time to communicate and keep up with what's going on. But the heart of communications, the, the heart of any relationship is communications. That's on your outline. I hope you'll remember that. It's just like the lifeline to God. Our lifeline to God is prayer. It's like a deep sea diver, his lifeline is that line from the oxygen down to where he is in the sea. 
And it's the same thing with our lifeline to God. That's what prayer is. And communications is our lifeline to good relationship. So remember that. There are things that block communication. And the first, the second thing on your list there is fear. People don't communicate many times because of fear. Fear that if a wife says something to her husband, he will lose it. Or husband says something to the wife, she'll lose it. And sometimes you do lose it, ladies. We're not the only one. Us men are not the only one who lose it. But the solution is, is praying together. And that helps solve the communication problem. Another reason is, is, is people are afraid to communicate with each other because they're afraid that the other person will explode. So we hold back many times when we ought to freely communicate and make sure that we take steps to communicate. In a home, there ought to be a time that you set aside communications. The older your children are, the harder it is to get together even to have a family meal. But a family meal is a good time to do that. My son has four children, and he established a practice in his home that they have a family meeting once a month, once, once a week. And they have it on Sunday afternoon, and he takes the phone off the hook, and they go over their schedules for the week and what's going to take place and chore assignments for each, each one of the, the four children and for them. But that's a time of communications, and you need that time also. Because when there's a breakdown in communications, there's a breakdown in relationships. And I don't know if you have a time that you set aside to communicate, but you ought to do that. A time where just husband and wife communicate. A time where parents communicate with their children. But it's so important to have that and practice that each week. The answer to raising godly children is communications. If you want to avoid drug problems, if you want to avoid teenage problems, communication is the key. Communicating things to them on a, uh, as they grow older on an age basis. What do you communicate when they're young, when they're older children, when they're teenagers? That's the key to it. I will brag on the Lord when I say this. I never had a teenage problem with my children. And it's because God worked on me in the area of communications. I made lots of mistakes. There was a time when my children would not communicate with me because they were afraid of my reactions. And God revealed me that to me, and I needed to stop it. And I did, so we were able to communicate and have a great relationship. Discipline. A lot of children don't understand di discipline. And sometimes when both parents are working and you come home, you're tired, and all you want to do is handle discipline, so you just let your children do as they please, which is not, it's communicating something to them that you don't want, it, want to communicate to them. Parents try to reason with their children rather than tell their children, you can't reason with children. It's hard to reason with teenagers sometimes. And listen, even older teenagers sometimes it's difficult because when a child hits teen years, they want to be treated like an adult one moment, and the next moment they want to be treated like a child. And your problem is you don't know which it is. Treat them like an adult or treat them like a teenager, a, a, a child. Wow, it just creates one problem after the other. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees in the verse I'm going to read to you, and it's in your notes there, and I think it'll be on the screen in Matthew 12. He says, a tree is identified by its fruit. 
If a tree is good, it bears it, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. But here, you know, there's a whole sermon in that verse right there, but I won't try to preach two sermons in one day. And I know you're thankful for that. But the heart of the verse is, is that what we comes out of our mouth, and I'll cover that in a moment, tells what's in our heart. What kind, and let me just ask you this. What kind of, of uh, communications are you communicating in your family, at work, in the church, in the community where you are, in other, in other relationships? Are you, are you producing the good fruit that it talks about here? If a tree is good, it will produce good fruit is essentially what it says here. And then Jesus speaks some pretty hard words. In verse 34, you brood of snakes. Wow, pretty strong language. He's talking to the Pharisees who are trying to trap him and are are trying to be real legalistic with him. But he says, you brood of snakes, how evil men like you could speak what is good and right. And whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasure of a good heart. And an evil person produces things from the treasure of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word spoken. Folks, that applies to you and to me just like it did as he spoke it there. Oh, me, give an account for every idle word. Then he goes on and says, I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either quit you or condemn you. Number two on your outline there. The mouth speaks what's in the heart. That's pretty convicting, folks. And I just ask you, what comes out of your mouth? Remember what comes out of your mouth is really in your heart. It's going to be good or it's not going to be not so good or it could even be bad. Whatever's in your heart determines what you say. I think this is one of the most basic scriptures regarding our tongue, regarding our mouth, regarding man. But we speak what's inside, and what's inside comes out one way or the other. The most uh, immediate illustration of that principle is shown what I just read. What was in the Pharisees' heart? The Pharisees were a group of legalistic uh, people. They, everything was legalism to them. They were not believers. But what was in their heart came out when they spoke. And if you'll go back and read the verses before the passage I read and the verse afterwards, you'll find out that they were trying to trap Jesus, asking him things and saying things to him. Uh, they even said that the miracles he did was of Satan, which is, is certainly blasphemy. And he came down on them pretty hard. And they spoke evil because their heart was filled with evil. That's why they accused him of being a messenger of Satan, so to speak. And to give you an example of how things can come out of our mouths, Vic and I went to interview for a church uh, as lead pastor, and they were showing us around. This one man was showing us around the town and kind of giving us a, a little idea of the housing costs and things like that. And all of a sudden, out of his mouth came some words that 
I don't think he would have spoke in front of Jesus. He was a, a deacon in the church. He was a leader in the church. And yet what came out of his mouth had to be what was in his heart. And after he said that, he realized what he said. And he apologized. And I called him by name and I said, you know what? You don't need to apologize to Becky and me. You need to apologize to the Lord. I went to another church. And after we'd been there a couple of weeks, I went to run some errands with a guy that day just to get to know him. And there he was, a deacon in the church, a leader in the church, respected person in the church by others. And we passed by a neighborhood. And the words he used to describe the ethnic group that lived there, along with a lot of adjectives before and after his description, I thought to myself, how can you say what you're saying and here you are, a leader in this church. I almost rebuked him, but I felt like it was not a teachable time. And later on, I was able to help him. But I don't know what kind of language he used after that or today. So just because that you're active in a church or a leader in the church, even a pastor in a church. I work for one pastor, and you don't know who it is, and you never will know. Ben, I served five churches when we were still in vocational ministry full-time. I guess I'm still full-time today, being I work 40, 50 hours a week now. But uh, I probably don't need to go there. Anyway, I, I just don't believe, and listen to me carefully, I do not believe that a person can truly have an intimate relationship with God and walk with him on a daily basis and things come out of the heart, come out of the mouth that they wouldn't say in front of Jesus. When I got back in fellowship with the Lord 40-something years ago, when I really recommitted my life to Christ, I had to overcome some things. And one of them was a, not a good mouth, a bad mouth. I'll just confess that to you. The Lord knows it, so I might as well tell you. But I drifted away from the Lord and didn't walk with the Lord, and what came out of my mouth was garbage. And uh, there's certain limitations I had because I would never use the Lord's name in vain. But I sure would come close to a lot of other things. And God had to clean that up. And I'm going to give you some ways here in a moment. If you have that problem, how to clean up your language. But I want you to understand that what you say outside the church, you wouldn't, you wouldn't dare say anything in here that, the building's not sacred, but you wouldn't dare say things that you would want Jesus to hear, not even gossip. But the true test of your walk with God, listen to me, your true test for the, your walk with God is what comes out of your mouth. What we speak is a test of where we are with the Lord. Listen, folks, that's why it's so important to have an intimate relationship with God. If we have that intimate relationship with him, he will correct those kind of things. He'll help us not to speak things of our, out of our mouth. Let me ask you this. You say, now you're meddling. I'm about to meddle. Is that okay? Well, some of you just sat there, and if it's not okay, I'm going to do it anyway. What did you, out of your mouth last week, what came out of your mouth? that you wouldn't say in front of Jesus. 
whether it was gossip or language that Jesus wouldn't use, what came out of your mouth this past week? I don't want you to confess it to me. You may as well confess it to him because he already knows. If there are things that you said this past week that you shouldn't have said, just say, God, I'm sorry. Help me not to do that again. I'm going to give you four things. Actually, I'm going to give you four things. You've got two on your outline, but I thought of two more, and I added them to my notes. <coughs> when I say this, I'm speaking of believers, not unbelievers, because people who've not placed their faith in Christ and Christ alone, you expect their language is not what it ought to be. When I say this, I hear believers use the SOB word, use the F word. I know believers that go to movies where movies are have that kind of language. Once before, when I brought a message here, I gave you a place to check out movies. It's called Plugged In. It's part of, of uh, James Dobson's ministry. Becky and I look at those things because even a PG-13 movie many times has words in it I don't need to hear. Becky and I were watching a movie the other night, and all of a sudden, right in the very beginning of the movie, the F word came out. Well, I don't have that kind of stuff on my cable that I have, but apparently it got in there some way or another, and we had to cut it off because I, I don't need my mind cluttered with those kind of words. And I would encourage you to, because that, in, that really, to me, cursing and those kind of words is lack of vocabulary. And if you're here today and you use those kind of words, I'm telling you, your vocabulary is like, lacking, okay? <clears throat> but let me go ahead and give you these four things. On your notes, they look at it under number, under 2A. Overcome a language problem. First of all, you've got to have that deepest desire in your heart that you want what comes out of your mouth to honor and glorify Christ. But that desire, I think, has got to be first. The second thing on your notes there, it says an intimate relationship with God. There's the key, that intimacy you have with him. And it's so important for every one of us to have that intimacy with him. Number three is not on your outline, but write this down. Memorize Scripture. Scripture has a way of cleansing our mind, cleansing our thoughts. That's God's Word. That's how Scripture works. So the third thing is memorize Scripture. Number four, and this is a key to all of it, prayer. Praying to God about whatever your language problem is. And many of you don't have one. That's great. But I dare say in a group like this, there are some here who have a language problem. Now, I'm not talking about speaking another language. Some of us uh, speak a little Spanish, a poquito. And, but I'm not talking that. I'm talking that words that don't honor and glorify Christ. Things that you wouldn't say if Jesus was present. It could be even in the form of gossip. That's speaking words that you have to account, we have to account for. I hope you'll take those four things. I hope you'll remember that. And I think this is the only way to overcome 
a language problem. In Scripture, the heart represents the seat of the thoughts, not the emotions. So what's in your heart comes out of your mouth that tells what really is in your heart. That's on your outline. The heart represents the character of a person. Therefore, the words that we say reveal what's really here. Using the same figure Jesus explained on a later occasion, here's what he said. The things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. It defiles the person, he's saying. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adulteries, fornication, thefts, fault witness, slanders. Did you ever wonder why we're in the situation we're in in the world? Why we're in such a mess? It all starts right here. What's in our heart? When we fill our heart and our minds with the things of God. You don't have to be in Scripture 24 hours a day. But I would encourage you to take 20, 30 minutes a day just to read and meditate on what you read. Don't read for mileage. Read for content. And you develop that intimate relationship with the Lord that will help you have things that come out of your mouth that always glorify him and honor him. One of my grandsons, I, I, I'm on Facebook all the time. In fact, I keep up with my grandkids primarily through Facebook. One set of grandkids live 1,900 miles from here. And before that, they were in Europe 5,000 miles away. Another set of grandkids uh, live in uh, about 600 miles away. One of my grandsons the other day posted, he, he, uh, what he, he shared a post. And in that post was a language that I know that he doesn't use. And I thought about it and prayed about it, and I wrote him a note. I sent him a message called him by name, and I said, I've never heard you use a slang word. What's in your post that you shared is a testimony, and it's not a good testimony. So I ask you to think about what you like on Facebook and what you post on Facebook because hundreds of people read that. From out of the heart comes one translation says, it's what fills the heart. In fact, when it says, for out of the heart comes, here's what the translation really says. In the Greek, the, the noun used there means a great abundance, full and overflow. So what's in our heart overflows out of our mouth. It carries with it, this, this word used in the original language, carries with it that the heart is full and has to overflow. What flows out of your heart through your mouth? I just ask you that question. If a person harbors ill will or hard feelings or anger, it's going to come out through the mouth. That's why we never should go to bed with hard feelings towards another person. We need to confess them with God and ask God to remove it. Bitterness and anger can cause us to overflow with things that shouldn't come out of our mouth. The person who's filled with lustful thoughts will eventually express those lustful thoughts in one way or the other, either in remarks or in action. It's evident that most of our presidential candidates have a dirty mouth. I'm sorry to say that, but they both do. And 
we know that by what we see them actually say. Not what we've heard they say, but what we have heard, not what we have heard others say they say, but actually firsthand experience in hearing what they say. With one, dishonesty and lying just overflows. Speaking of that, what I would urge you to do Tuesday, I would urge you to put the Bible on the table, put the Democratic platform over here and the Republican platform over here, or if you vote or enter another party, what's their platform? Use the Bible as a guide. And whatever is near Scripture of the platforms, that should tell you how to vote. I'm not going to tell you how to vote. But the Bible will tell you that. Because when you make a comparison of one platform to the Scripture, it ought to speak to us. And I say that, and you don't get charged any more today than the admission you paid to get in. Okay? But I just would challenge you to do that. And by the way, I'm not going to run for president in four years. Uh, I, I couldn't criticize in all the stuff that you see candidates do. Now, I may nominate uh, Jason or uh, uh, maybe even uh, Brenda or maybe Henry back there. Maybe Henry ought to nominate you, Henry, for president. But I just couldn't do what the candidates do because the kind of criticizing and tearing down and everything that's done is against Scripture. I'm thankful that Dan Lewis doesn't do that. I've never heard Dan do that, and I don't think he does. And for those of you who don't know who Dan is, he was a founding pastor of the church. We can monitor our what we say, but when it's still in our heart, through stress or something else, it's going to come out. So what's your heart filled with? I just ask you that today. What's your mind filled with? James, in the book of James, which is a good book to really get your mouth under control or keep your mouth under control, James says this, If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. And religion is worthless, worthless anyway. It's our faith in Christ that's important. You understand the difference? I brush my teeth religiously. I go to work religiously. In other words, I do it regularly. But it's not religion that takes you to heaven. It's placing your faith in Christ and Christ alone. That's the only way any of us can get to heaven. Then James says later on, and this is really not too encouraging, I guess, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. We praise our Lord and Father with it, and we curse men who are made in God's likeness with it. Wow. The mouth is the ultimate expression of our heart. Proverbs says, 23, 7 says, For as a person thinks within himself, so is he. Remember that verse, folks. He had just stated in the verses before that that I just read a moment ago that about the mouth and the tongue. He's just reinforcing, here's what he's doing. Jesus said in Matthew 35, 
1235 that I read a moment ago. He says, a good person produces good things from the treasure of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasure of an evil heart. The good man out of his treasure brings forth what's good is what he's really saying. And then he's saying here also that the evil man brings out evil things out of his heart. The word treasure here is where we get the word thesaurus. Now, many of you use a thesaurus because my English is not really that well. I often use it to find the meaning, the opposite meaning of a word, so I can use something that makes sense. But it comes out of the treasure. What we've stored up in our heart is really what it's saying here. And it's true that a good treasure brings forth good. What's in your heart, folks? What's there? And I say this because many of you know what G-O-G-O is in the computer world. Who who knows what it is? G-O-G-O. I can't believe you don't know, Matt, and I know you're a guru, uh, a computer guru. Garbage in, garbage out. And it's the same thing with what's in our heart. It's the same thing as we communicate with each other. When we take in garbage, when we listen to gossip, when we watch movies that are doesn't glorify the Lord, we're taking in garbage, and therefore it's garbage that comes out of our mouth. G O G O, remember that. Go go G I, garbage in yeah G I G O. Maybe that's why you didn't know mad what it was. I can't even get my letters straight. G I G O, garbage in, garbage out. And it's not only true in the computer world, it's true in the world with us. That's why we don't need to fill our minds with garbage. We need to fill our minds with good things, the things of God, so that what comes out of our mouth will be sweet things and not bitter things. James talks about, in one of the verses here, he talks about out of that mouth comes Sweet water, and yet out of that comes bitter water. And that doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's really what happens. I would encourage you to don't take in garbage. Check out the movies you see. What are you teaching your children at home by what you watch on TV? Beck and I used to watch a particular weekly show, and it just kept getting worse and worse, promoting drunkenness, promoting alcoholism, just promoting lots of things. And we finally quit watching it because God convicted us. It was not good to view those kind of things because what was going on is right opposite of what Scripture is. I don't need garbage in. I have to fight it enough as it is with just what's in the world. And don't you smile like you do that. You're in the same world I'm in, and you fight it just like I do. Amen? Some of you do and some of you don't. James says this, does a fountain send out the same opening, both fresh and bitter water? Wow. The answer is no, but the exception is, is our mouth. In the same way, the quality of water is in a person's heart will be produced through the mouth. Remember that. Each day of our lives, in our contact with others, in our communication with others, we are actually communicating what's in our heart. 
I know that some of you tend to hold us pastors up on a pedestal. I work for one pastor, which is wrong. I don't want to be on a pedestal because if I fall off as old as I am, I'll break my arm or something. But I worked for a pastor once. They said in staff meeting, we had about 10 pastoral staff members, women and men. And he told off-color jokes. And it broke my heart to hear that in a staff meeting like that. And sometimes the language that came out of his mouth. So just because you're a pastor or a leader in the church does not protect you from your language coming out what you've taken in. You overcome it by taking in more good things, more scripture, more the goodness in our world than you do with the bad. You know, we watch television, we watch the news, and we get all that negative feedback. And that negative feedback may not affect our language, but it affects what's in our heart. The only way to overcome that is spend more time in God's Word than before the TV. And I'm talking to myself because there's some programs I really like to watch. But I can't sit there and watch them for several hours without having to take in God's Word because it would fill my heart with things I don't really need in my life. You understand? Maybe I'm the only one here that has to be careful. Am I? Okay, thank you for that reassurance. I'm so glad. I want to give you some causes of communication failures, and that's on your outline there. Just follow through those, or it'll be on the screen there in just a moment. But it's distortion of loss of information, these things I'm going to give you. And I listed them here so that you could take them home with you and think about them. Assuming that what one says is understood. I learned when my kids were young not to assume they understood what I told them. Uh, They turned the tables on me once, and I realized what I'd done. And I won't go there. Giving information too fast. The average human speaks about 150 words a minute. And some of you have gust up to about 200. (laughs) Assuming people understand because of what you've said. Giving information too fast. Slow down and take time to make sure that others understand. Whether it's in the church, on the job, in your family, slow down and make sure they understood what you've said. The other thing there, the third thing is, people are afraid to ask questions. Sometimes you have to dig things out of people. You can say, well, do you have any questions? And you've got a moment of silence and nothing comes out. Don't be afraid of that silence. Allow people a chance to think about what questions they may need to, that, they need, that they need to ask. D, people simply don't learn to listen. Sometimes we're so busy thinking of what we're going to say when they finish speaking that we lose what's being said. We can hear approximately 500 words a minute. Our brain can. But you know what? People don't speak that fast, so it gives us time, and there's some boredom between what people are speaking and what we could hear. But we need to listen, stop and listen. Personality differences, jumping to conclusions, 
I hope you'll think about those things in all areas of communication because communication is so key in putting the puzzle together that the series that, that uh, you're going through right now. Proverbs 15, 1 through 4. A gentle answer deflects anger. Harsh words make tempers flare. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool bleaches out foolishness. The Lord is watching everywhere, keeping his eye on both evil and the good. Gentle words are a tree of life. Isn't that great? Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. You say, well, how do I deal with communication problems? Always deal with them first through prayer. God, I'm just not getting through to my daughter. I'm not getting through to the people at work. God, give me wisdom and words so that I can get through. Pray. That's key. Communication in the family. Pray. Family times. I think I may have listed these on your notes there. Family times, family meetings. Find out what your family, why your family won't communicate with you. You only have to respond once wrong to shut a child down. It takes time to make that up. You only have to respond the wrong way to a co-worker to shut them down. Intimate time alone with your family with your family members. Pray with your family. Pray with individuals. If you have a problem with somebody in the church, ask to be a prayer partner and just pray. Pray over the telephone or pray together in person. I believe that problems in life between people can be settled through praying with one another. I counseled with somebody recently husband and wife, and I said, do you pray together on a regular basis? We pray at the table. No, no, I'm not saying a prayer at dinner time, lunch time. Do you pray for each other together? But when you've got a problem with another person and they are, excuse me, are a believer, pray with them. Even at work, whether the person is a believer or not, and you have a problem, Just say, can I pray for us about our difficulty? Prayer is the key. Right back to the very beginning, what I said. Prayer is a lifeline. Prayer is the key to solving communication problems. Practicing Matthew 18, 15, the principles taught there. I won't go there today, but you can look it up. Matthew 18, 15, 16, 17, the principles there are taught. You can use that at home, at work, or the church. But I want to say one more time. A person cannot have an intimate relationship with God and still things flow out of their heart, out of our hearts. They shouldn't come out. That intimacy with God, it's like if a husband and wife don't take time to have an intimate relationship And I'm talking communications, not sexual, but an intimate time with each other, sharing things together. You can't have an intimate relationship with your children if you don't have that intimate time with them. But an intimate relationship, an intimate time with the Lord, 
will take care of most problems, not most problems, all problems in life. It's just a matter of doing it. I want to close with a verse that I memorized many years ago. I grew up as a child uh, until I was an older child or a teenager in a Methodist church. And the Methodist church had a benediction that they always said. How many of you know what I'm going to refer to? Anybody have that same? Two or three of you know what I'm going to say. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. It's on your outline there. It's, it's in Proverbs. Uh, I mean, sorry, it's in Psalms. Psalms 19:14. If you don't know that verse, memorize it. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. I just challenge you to memorize that. If you memorize it to the point that it comes to your mind, that will help you overcome any language problem. It'll help you improve communication problems. It goes right back to the principle. Let the meditation of my heart come out. I wouldn't dare say that unless I had an intimate relationship with the Lord because the wrong kind of medication, meditations might come out. Does that make sense? Let the words of my mouth and what's in my heart, wow, be acceptable to you, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let me ask you this. How many of you here today feel like you need to improve communications? Would you raise your hand? And those who didn't, I want to talk to you afterwards and find out how you're perfect. All of us need to improve communications. And I want to do something right now. I want to lead you in a prayer of commitment. If you can pray this prayer, fine. Pray it silently. Pray it to God. If you want to improve in communications. So close your eyes and shut out everybody around you. That's why we close our eyes so that you're not distracted. And here's the commitment that I ask you to make. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I know that I have a problem with communications. Lord, I need to improve in communications. And I really want to, Lord. I want my communications to be up to your standard. Lord, sometimes I slip and words come out of of my mouth that doesn't glorify you. I'm sorry, Lord. I want to thank you for forgiving me. I'm confessing it now. Thank you for your forgiveness. And if you can pray the rest of this prayer, just say, Lord, I promise I will strive to be a better communicator with all those around me, my family, my friends, my co-workers, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm committing to you right now. This part of my life in putting the pieces together I understand the importance of communications.
Then say this to the Lord. I love you, Lord Jesus. I thank you for what you've said to me today. I will do my best to apply it to my life. Thank you, Jesus. Because I ask these things by the power that's in your name. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.